And now we want to hear another innovation spotlight from the city of Dublin that you've just talked about. So I'd like to welcome Jamie Cudden. He's from the city, uh, Dublin City Council, and he's going to be joining us to talk about the Smart City Program, specifically to transform city planning engagement. So, um, Jamie, welcome. Hey, Peggy, how are you? Delighted to be part of the panel today. Yeah, I am really excited because what you're doing is really exciting. So I'd love for you to kind of describe this unique uh, capital city a project that you've been doing in the city of Dublin and what's been going on there. Can you talk about it? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm really just following on from, from Bob. I'm, I get really excited about, I suppose, the opportunity of all these new emerging technologies, whether it's 5G, future connectivity, Internet of Things, big data. So in my role, like leading the Smart City program, it's really about thinking about how we can take that opportunity. And we saw some great opportunities uh, in the two videos, but looking at how we can transform, I suppose, the services that we deliver in our city and deliver better outcomes uh, for our citizens. So, so really that's the lens, I think, to reinforce, I suppose, some of the output of, of your conversation is how do we deliver just fantastic services uh, for our citizens using some of these technologies and digital twin? For me, that's just such a phenomenal opportunity for how we can do that. And, and over the past couple of years, you know, we've been building out capacity in Dublin. We've, we've developed a Smart Dublin program of innovative projects and activities. And one of the areas that we started looking at was, well, actually, how do we think and rethink about the future of, of planning, leveraging uh, these digital twins and look at how can we move away from this old school, traditional town hall approach where, you know, a, a few people go in and give out about or, you know, talk about plans in their areas. How can we transform that to engage a much wider audience and leverage the power of the digital twin to visualize the future, to look at what plans mean for your areas and just get that much broader engagement across society in terms of, you know, co-innovating and designing the future for our city. So so I guess that's the kind of area that I get very excited about. And we kind of started looking at this uh, about a year and a half ago. And, and as Bob said, you know, COVID-19 has been a game changer I suppose for cities in in a, in a negative way, but also in a positive way, in that you know the journey for digital transformation just needs to be accelerated, and you know we need to look at how these tools, you know, can can replace maybe some of the physical engagements to a more virtual uh, application, but also get more people involved in the process. And really, that's something that I get very very excited about. So you've put a positive spin on COVID. So that's maybe a good thing. I don't know how many ways we can put a positive, but you talked about citizens, communities, and getting us all together. So help walk us through that a little bit more in detail, because while we're all thinking we're kind of tired of hearing about COVID, you've actually said there's some good things we can use and learn from it to maybe make our cities better during this time of COVID, during a pandemic. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes one of the big criticisms of, of smart city technologies is that people just focus on, on the technology. But the reality is, if we can't, you know, get citizens on board and excited about the technology, it's going to be much harder to change mindsets and to scale up these investments. So so for us, it's about kind of getting people enthused about the opportunity of these new technologies, engaging with the technology, but making it real, I guess, in terms of that they can they can see the benefits uh, for, for themselves. And, you know, we need to certainly, and I think Bob discussed it, align the application of the technology with how it solves, you know, challenges in our cities like climate action, sustainability, improves the environment. And, and I think digital twins really can help us, uh, I suppose, tell that story and engage with, with our citizens and communities. And that's very much part of our mantra 
in terms of the smart city program, getting that engagement and really, I suppose, in, enhancing the, the conversation that we can have across multiple areas and challenges in the city. How do you scale for success? How do you make that happen? Is, is it engaging different departments? Is it engaging, you know, how do you, how do you make this success happen? Is it a funding issue? What is it that makes that work as you grow? Well, it definitely doesn't happen overnight. And, and I heard, we heard the story of uh, Helsinki, you know, they've been planning for the, la- the last 30 years. I, I guess it's about getting the right collaboration model in place. I think we heard, hear a lot about collaboration uh, today, about bringing, you know, industry, academia, residents, communities and cities together. Um, but it's really about, you know, I suppose, uh, I suppose the narrative and I suppose demonstrating, you know, the technology in action, making it real. Um, sometimes it's difficult to, you know, have a conversation about something that's happening in a, in another city. What's much better is actually demonstrating it in your city and making it feel real, showing people the application, putting on the headsets or whether it's engaging on the browser uh, and actually experiencing it and then demonstrating the, the, the real tangible benefits and, and bringing the, the right people in to have those conversations. For, for us, that, that's key to success. So it sounds like you have people that want to be a part of something bigger. They want to be a part of the excitement that's happening around them. And because of that, it's contagious. People think of the excitement and they say, we can make this happen then. And then they collaborate and more things happen. Yeah, I think that that's, and we've, we've heard that, I guess, in the, in the videos and, and the Bob session before this, but the, the collaboration and, and people being part of that conversation, being part of that narrative is, is, is so important. And, and I think, you know, bringing together, you know, the, the, the startups, the, the, the different companies, the academics, you know, bringing them all together to help be part of that journey, creating new economic opportunities, solving city problems and, and delivering those great city services really is a great recipe for success. Well, let's talk about transparency, because we know if you're not transparent, that's always a problem. How is that? How does that play a role? Yeah, and I think cities across the world can you know, be held guilty for not being transparent, you know, in terms of, you know, all these plans that, you know, citizens ask, well, where did I hear that? Or, you know, when, when could I, where could I find out more? And I think, you know, there's a real move towards better transparency in terms of, you know, why we're investing in the technologies, what these technologies do, but also just getting people aware of what's happening for the future. And I think we saw in some of the inspiring video for, for Helsinki in terms of, you know, that really changes the, 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 the conversation. It's much more transparent. You know, we can open up our data sets and actually have a more informed evidence-based discussion about what the future of our cities are. And I think that's, that's for me, that's really important. That level of transparency and openness is really what's going to drive forward successful cities in the future. When you open up those data sets, you open up the information, then are you able to get to real cost savings, that real insight that people say, now you're changing the narrative and that's how people see that we can do this and continue to move forward? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, sometimes... You know, the, the whole narrative on cost savings, while it's super important for the smart city narrative, it, it sometimes needs to, it needs to be a lot more beyond just traditional cost savings. You know, it's, it's about, you know, we, we can deliver more efficient services, but we can reinvest maybe some of the savings into, into actually enhancing services. Sometimes we can't, you know, reduce costs on staff because we have that kind of long-term investment in staff. But it's about, you know, not just the financial, but the more quality of life impacts. I think we heard uh, Bob talk about it, you know, the environmental benefits. And there's a whole bigger package of, of, of KPIs rather than just the, the finance. But I think that's the, the where the conversation seems to be going. 
in the smart city space. And that, that's the bit that really, I suppose, gets the, you know, gets the impact uh, in, in a powerful way in terms of this can actually solve maybe our lower carbon emissions, can transform our climate agenda, can reduce costs and deliver better services. If you can do it all at the same time, fantastic. There's a lot of benefits there, a lot of excitement. Well, Jamie, I love this discussion. So let's bring in the rest of the team. So I, I really want to invite that the project team that was in that. So I want to in, invite uh, Kirsten Walker from Microsoft and Tan DeVries from Bentley to join in on the discussion. And maybe I'll start with you, Kirsten, to kind of chime in from Microsoft's perspective and talk about how you all worked with the city of Dublin and what actually happened there. Can you, can you bring some uh, context to that a little bit? Sure. Thank you for uh, for having me, Peggy. Um, just a little bit of, of history um, about the relationship between uh, the country of Ireland, the city of Dublin, and, and Microsoft. Um, Microsoft has been a long-term investor, employer, and supporter of the Irish economy and society. Um, our relationship began way back in, in 1985, and we were the first multinational companies to select Ireland as a uh, as an EMEA headquarters. And then if you fast forward to 2009, Microsoft decided to locate its first data center outside of the United States in Dublin. Um, and then today, about 30% of all data in EMEA comes through that Microsoft data center in Dublin. Our, our office in Dublin is a very unique and highly strategic location for Microsoft. It's the only location in the world outside of Redmond that has all of the business functions sales, R&D, customer support, and of course the, the data center. Um, I personally like to think that the, the top three attractions in Dublin are the library and Trinity College, the Guinness factory, and the Microsoft data center. I'm not sure if Jamie really agrees with me on that one, but um, <laughs> and additionally, we employ about 3,000 employees from 72 nations across our locations in Ireland. Uh, including on our new 134 million euro, 34,000 square meter campus, which is just outside the city of uh, city of Dublin. Um, Jamie's been a fantastic Microsoft advocate uh, in Dublin. In addition to the project with Bentley, we've partnered on several smart city innovation events, uh, including one with Harvard Accelerator. And we are exploring additional IoT use cases that leverage the Open Cities Planner implementation in Dublin. Um, some current thoughts include uh, curb management, which has become a big issue during COVID, as well as air quality and, and traffic management. Um, once a city or an organization has started working with, with Azure IoT and with Azure Digital Twins, it's easy to build and add additional use cases quickly and, uh, and effectively. So Jamie, I'm kind of curious about how you ended up working with Microsoft and Bentley. How did that partnership kind of come about? Yeah, so, I mean, Microsoft, we've had, a, as Kirsten said, a great relationship over the last couple of years, uh, working with uh, innovation network of, of cities across the world. We're at Harvard. I, I think we'll talk about that all about sharing best practice. But it was actually in Barcelona, Smart City Expo uh, last November, and how we wish we could go back to Barcelona this November, but there'll be no... Uh, physical expos for, for, for another while. But um, yeah, we were kind of exploring uh, future opportunities with, uh, with Kirsten and her team and uh, with Tone and, and Bentley. Um, and originally it was kind of looking at um, how we could support a big uh, event we were, organi we were organizing or hosting in Dublin, the European Football Championships, Euro 2020, which is one of the biggest uh, soccer 
tournaments in the world, I think hosted across 10 cities, quite a pivotal year for, for UEFA. And we're looking at the whole area of digital twins, how we could use that to you know, deliver safer events, you know, enhance the fan experience. So lo- loads of great opportunities uh, on that. And actually, during the, the, the conversations, I noticed um, you know, the Open Cities Planner, a big Surface Pro, and a few people kind of engaging with a, a city digital twin and kind of walked over and are quite excited. And from the video you saw from Helsinki, you know, you can see why you might get quite excited about the potential of how you interact with these twins and we started a conversation also about well city planning is an area that i've got a particular passion about how do we look at the future of planning in cities and while the i suppose covid had uh, you know put, put an end to the hosting of euro 2020 this year and uh, we continue the conversation looking at the, the whole concept of the future of planning and, and we're really moving forward in terms of some great uh, use cases and examples there that we're excited to showcase Okay, first of all, we can't go to Barcelona, but I want to go to the city of Dublin. Lots of cool things are happening. We can't let COVID stop us. So, Tan, I have to hear from you about how all this is happening, because it sounds like really cool things Bentley's Bentley's doing here. So chime in and give us some insights on how this all came about, because it's really exciting. When he came into the booth and we had a meeting and we talked about Open Cities Planner and his ideas and all his ideas around how to make a city smarter. Uh, and then we showed him uh, a little bit of how a digital twin could help uh, in, that, uh, in, the, in that process. Um, and then he came back a little bit later with, with, with his colleagues uh, and asked us to share that same thought and, and, and the, uh, a demo for the product uh, with, with his colleagues. But within five minutes, uh, he took over and actually he did the whole demo. And, that also showed me and showed us how easy it is to, to get started and to, to use the product. And that's all what it's all about, to make it transparent and to deliver on that promise of transparency. Uh, and, and Jamie actually, you know, he, he was the, 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 the live representative of that uh, on, the, on, the, on the booth. But then, of course, COVID hit. And um, as Jamie said, the whole euro... Uh, started to go to the background, uh, the Euro 2020 started to go to the background, and we, we changed the focus way more on the planning uh, process. Um, and realizing that Open Cities Plan is not only a great solution for engaging people in that process, but because of it's so easy to switch and to define multiple use cases, it's a great platform that provides a flexible access to a digital twin and uh, therefore can serve, as I said, those multiple use cases. And perhaps many of our listeners might have heard this morning uh, YII keynote uh, where, where Greg Bentley and Satya Nadal from Microsoft spoke about city resilience and emergency response uh, planning as an example. We think that digital twins is one of the most important innovations in IoT. Um, for years, we've been able to connect physical assets, which includes everything from consumer devices like a Fitbit, and you know some home appliances to commercial manufacturing equipment to even smart street lighting. So we can put a sensor on just about any device or or physical object. Um, with digital twin, we now have the ability to connect environments. So not just assets, but environments. So providing customers, um, and in the case of Dublin, the city officials and, and their citizens with the ability to have a true digital representation of a physical space. 
Um, strategic partners like Bentley are leading the way in digital twins, applying their industry expertise on top of the Azure Digital Twins platform to build out any physical environment. And then I think what you will see next is a merging of connected assets and connected environments to create connected ecosystems. Um, an example might be in the case of a utility company being able to better predict and respond to energy needs based on data being driven from and shared by cities or even you know, commercial entities creating that true digital feedback loop. I guess the, the first one is, you know, what we see in cities, you know, there's a lot of silos across the different services, whether it's your waste or your environment or, or your transport. And I think what, what Kirsten just demonstrated is that, you know, we can use these platforms to bring together all that data into one place and be able to visualize it in a much better way. And one thing that we're seeing particularly um, with COVID-19 is, you know, whereas before I'd be trying to kind of make the business case for investments in some of these uh, solutions and integration um, platforms, you know, all of a sudden now the business case is much higher because, you know, for city planners and cities, you, you need to know how space is being used, how your buildings are being used, and you need to be able to integrate that into a real-time view to help you make better decisions for how you manage the, I suppose, the whole kind of social distancing and how we engage with space in cities. So all of a sudden now you can see that you know, there's a real opportunity to scale up at these platforms and these solutions. And so that, that, that's at one level in terms of the data integration. At the other level, you know, there's this idea where you can kind of, you know, pilot and test in smaller areas or, or, or pick certain use cases. And I think we heard that uh, from, from Bob in terms of some of the conversations at the start. So, so I think there's lots of different ways to, to think about how you build your, your building blocks and actually combine those to kind of create scale across your city to help deliver these better decisions. Hearing you talk sounds like this is truly an ambitious pro all the project that you have here. Would you say that that's, you know, in looking at projects overall, that's true? Yeah, I mean, if you're not ambitious, what's the point? You know, so I think we have to we have to have this level of ambition. I think there's one thing I notice in, in, in a city like Dublin and most cities, the, the investment is there, but maybe it's not directed in the right way to get the, the right outcome at, at the scale and ambition that we that we would really like to see. As you think about what's next and, and how cities need to evolve, um, especially in this post-pandemic world, cities are going to need to become more resilient, more agile. They're going to need to respond to not only planned events like Euro 2020, which is you know how this whole project started with the city of Dublin, but also unplanned events like demonstrations or, or riots, unfortunately. Um, and cities won't be able to rely on old data to predict things like transportation needs or energy consumption, traffic models, et cetera, all of that has changed um, so dramatically, you know, just in the last six months. Um, there's a, a concept of the 1.5 meter economy, which is an approach that the Dutch have coined, um, which will require cities to design and support um, this new model in a post-pandemic world. So making sure that you design for that that uh, 1.5 meter um, distance that we that we need to keep. Uh, cities are also starting to look at how to monetize the, the the data that they collect in order to generate revenue and and really stimulate economic recovery. Um, this is, I think, you know, where the idea of curb management becomes interesting. So, you know, in response to an increase in deliveries and and curbside shopping. Could a city possibly sell space or time along those busy curves in order to, to generate revenue? I think it's important to, just like 
Jamie expressed to have that vision, to know and to realize where you want to go, but then to take that into action, right? Uh, we saw that earlier with Helsinki, we saw that with, uh, uh, with Porto, they innovate, they experiment, and they learn from it, and they move forward. Uh, secondly, I think it's important uh, to make sure that whatever you do is scalable, right? Uh, you don't want to limit yourself in, in, in the future reuse of, of that data, of that digital twin. It needs to be scalable. At the same time, it needs to be open, right? Um, and we've heard Bob uh, talk about that uh, earlier. Uh, Bentley has made access to that digital twin open source. So the ecosystem within the city, the universities, the local startups can actually access that digital twin and use that in their own specific smart city uh, applications. And lastly, in order to get there, uh, we think a digital twin needs to be based on federation of those different silos of information that exists within, within the city. Jamie referred to that, uh, that, that every department has its own data and they should have, and they own that. Uh, so federating it gives you that insight uh, into that data uh, and allows you to use that in a digital twin in a, in a, in a much broader uh, way. Jamie, how would other, how would somebody else do what you guys are doing? Or can they do what you guys are doing in Dublin? Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good question. Um, I, I mean, I think it comes down to leadership in cities. And I think we heard some of that uh, in the videos today. But it, you need the right people to push this agenda, whether it's your mayor or, or your chief executive. But it, it's equally then about using that leadership to, I suppose, inspire people to change culture, um, to really drive it forward in a way that, you know, people are collaborating to actually do the best they can for, for their city to deliver those better services better outcomes and, and you know taking it in bite-sized chunks you know the idea of the innovation districts I, I just love that in dublin we have our smart docklands district but that idea of making it real um people can see it can experience it and then you know from that build momentum build build passion and get people engaged to kind of drive things forward and scale up for me like it, it's a kind of a combination of all of those and there's no one right way to do it but it's it's a mix of some of those ingredients when you look at all this, Kirsten, when you look at everything that's happened and we've, we've got the pandemic, we, we're trying to do everything right now. We're trying to look at what we have now, where the future is. What's your biggest advice that you would give um, trying to figure out how to scale things in a, in a, in a smart city using technology? Yeah. Uh, if I had one bit of advice to give to cities that are looking to emulate the work that Dublin or Porto or Helsinki have done, um, that would be to start small, prove quickly, and then scale big. Uh, Daniel Sumner on our smart city industry team developed a concept last year called the smart city block, which was introduced to, to Dublin. And kind of the idea behind it, in any city of any size, you always have one block that has high crime or too much air pollution or floods when it rains. So um, if you look to solve for that one environment first, I, I think you know cities are, are typically more successful. You know, maybe it's a high crime area and uh, you, we do an increase in, in smart street lighting to, uh, to prove out this solution. You know, prove the, IOI, the ROI there and then, and then scale it out. 
Well, I think it's it's very simple. If you if you haven't learned from or gotten ideas now from either Dublin or Helsinki or Porto, um, then there's simply one thing you should do, and it is watch the Digital Cities keynote on October 27th at 10 a.m. Eastern, and you will get way more uh, uh, ideas uh, to start and to scale up and to move forward. So watch the Digital Cities keynote. That's my next advice. Jamie, is there any any thoughts you would give across all these districts? Any uh, any last minute thoughts you might provide? Yeah, I mean, I mean, firstly, just tell tell your story. You know, share successes and and learn from what other cities and districts are doing across the world. That's why events like these are, are so important. But equally, you know, on the other hand, it's it's also good, maybe not on your keynote, to talk about failures and what didn't work. And maybe you save that for when you're having a pint of Guinness with a with a couple of people after the event. But that you know, we need to tell those stories and we need to kind of learn from what doesn't work equally to what works. Well, I think everyone here is waiting to have that pint of Guinness with you. So I'm sure that's what everybody wants. And uh, I think that's wonderful. I appreciate everybody's uh, spending time with us today because these are exciting times. I think you've shared a lot of great uh, advice with us here today. I want to thank all of you. So what have we learned? I mean, I think if we look at all this, you know, cities and citizens, you know, they're becoming more agile. And I think that's what's really exciting when we think about this is because if I took away from all of what you said today is that cities are changing, we have to think about the next technologies and digital twins are really doing a lot of amazing things. But I think more importantly, you have to think about your governments, the partners working together, adopting technology. It's moving faster than ever before. We had a pandemic we never even thought about what to do with, but we have to think about when things start to settle down, how do you prepare? How do you prepare in a post-pandemic era? And I think, you know, this pedestrian flow of technology adoption, you know, will it continue at this rapid pace, exponential change? And that's what you've all shared with us today. And these case studies are, are bearing it all out. So again, thank you for all your time. And we look forward to joining us on the next Digital Twin Talks. Yay!